if it were all within anywhere near the realm of possibility for you to be able to do it, you would do it. And listen, God wouldn't ask you to do something you can't do. So it's obedience. So think about this. Let this be the purpose sentence of what I'm going to say today. What if God has told you something to do that if you were to do it, it would bring a miracle into your life? I believe obedience to God produces victories and and miracles. And if we have heard from God, I, I... I say this because I know of several people, and yes, I'll just say several people in our church, who have told me things that they believe God told them to do. Well, if they told me they wanted me to know it, but I've observed, and I don't see those things being done. Now, I'm not saying that's going to bring judgment on somebody. I'm not the pronouncer of that. But I am going to say there's a great victory and there are great miracles that some people miss because God tells them to do something and it seems like it's too hard, too complicated, too involved, too sacrificial. I just can't do it. But if God speaks to you about doing something, you should put nothing ahead of doing what he's told you to do. After service, I'll tell somebody who to send this to to hear it. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1, is a strong, strong statement there. This is what it says. Now the people complained about the hardships in the hearing of the Lord. Before the Lord and in his presence, they complained about the hardships that he was putting them through. And when he heard them, this was his response. He got angry with them. Well, I didn't know God could get angry with us. If you go far enough, God will show you that it's possible for him to get angry. It doesn't have to be. These people didn't have to complain. They had everything to be praising God for. Everything to praise God for. They had been delivered from from the Goshen slavery that the Egyptians had put them in. They and their ancestors had been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years when God sent Moses to deliver them and call them out. So when they got out of Egypt, they, they didn't wait till they got over the Red Sea, but after they got over the Red Sea and realized that they were at a point that they were ready to go into Canaan and the difficulties of Canaan were reported to them, all of the negative things seemed to come to the surface And they saw all the bad things as they interpreted them and none of the good things. They complained against Moses, who had brought them out. They complained against Aaron, who was Moses' right hand. They complained against Miriam, who was their sister. They complained about what they had to eat and what they didn't have to eat. They complained about what they had to drink and what they didn't have to drink. They complained about not being able to have the garlic and the leeks and the cucumbers of Egypt because they were out now in the wilderness and didn't have a chance to grow those things. They complained about everything that they saw because they didn't have what was in the past any longer. 
Some people cannot turn loose the past. Some people are bound into and they're bondages of themselves. They're bound into their complaining. They're bound into their grumbling. They don't like the way their husband does something. They don't like the way their wife does something. They don't like the way their pastor does something. I don't know why I put him third. But they don't, they don't like the way the music leader does something. They don't like the way the ushers do their job. They don't like the plates they use to take up the offering with. There's something to be found by somebody and everybody to complain about. And that's exactly what the Israelites found to do. They found a way to complain. They were free from slavery. They were on the way to the land that God had promised them. But their complaining and their unbelief caused them to be tied into the wilderness in, in, in the purpose of God when he, when he saw that these people were never going to be brought to the place of victory that they were supposed to come to. He waited for generations to pass and for new people to come on the scene and to move over and take the promised land, which was the land of Canaan. So, although they had been slaves, their slavery looked good to them when they saw it compared to the present time. That was ignorance. Their past looked better than their future because they had no faith. They couldn't see the benefits and the blessings of the future, again, because they had no vision to see what God was doing for them how God was leading them. It just looked like it was too hard to give up the past in Egypt, go through all the struggles and trials of getting into Canaan and win the battles and victories there. It just seemed like it was too hard. God had sent them on a journey that was a journey of faith, a journey of deliverance from Egypt, a journey of belief, of confidence, of assurance, of promise, of expectation, he set them on a, a, a journey that promised them everything good for the future. And they couldn't see it for, for the holding on to the past that was afflicting them. When they could not turn loose the past, they were not able to see the victory. It's a bad thing to be looking back all the time. How many of you have one of those? A rearview mirror. How many of you drive your car, how many of you drove your car to church this morning looking in that rearview mirror? If you did, I want to set you to stand up and we want to thank God that you made it. <laughs> because you don't go forward looking in a rearview mirror. And God has warned us about that. There is something about the past that is addictive to a lot of people. The reason I can't do this is because I... This is my nature. The reason I can't do this is because I don't really understand the concept or the plan. The reason I can't do this is, well, I can't think of anything right now, but I will surely think of something why I can't turn loose the past. But friends, if you're ever going to move forward with God, you're going to have to do it forgetting the past. You're going to have to say no to things that have happened. You're going to have to do some things that you don't want to do. You're going to have to forgive some people. You're going to have to take some steps that you don't want to take. You may have to let God make a change in your life and turn you into somebody else. There are a lot of people around you that think that would be a good idea, by the way, in case you don't know. But God wants to prepare us, and He works by His Holy Spirit to prepare us to move us away from the past. 
I don't say to you that everything in the past is bad. Certainly not. That would be a stupid thing. Oh, I better not say stupid. I said that one time and got in a lot of problems. That, that would be a very bad thing to say, <laughs> that everything in the past is bad. I met a woman and married her many years ago in the past. I'm glad I'm still here, and I'm glad she's still here. She put up with me all these years. I tell you, i got a lot to be thankful for about the past. But I'm not going to live in the past. I'm a better husband now than I was years ago. Not quite perfect yet. Just want to make sure I put that out there in case anybody goes and asks her. <laughs> but I'm a better husband today than I was in the past. I've told people, I've told numbers of people as they've come to me about various things. I'm a better pastor now than I was years ago. I've been a pastor for many, many years, but I'm a better pastor today than I was years ago because I've been able to move away from some things in the past and change and do things differently. And I believe God will make us better people if we yield ourselves to Him with, 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 with his, that ability for Him, giving Him that ability to work by His grace in our lives to make us better people than we are, than we were last year, and better than we are today as we move forward every day getting closer to Him and better servants of God. You can't drive forward looking in a rearview mirror. It's just that plain and that simple. You've got to have a vision to see what God wants to do and what God will do in your life if you'll let Him do it. It's a matter of surrendering to Him and giving Him that full blessing opportunity to turn our lives into what He wants them to be. We have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to see the vision that God gives us and move forward in that vision to accomplish what God has for us to accomplish. Paul understood this. One of the great, great passages that Paul wrote among the, among the many, many that he wrote was when God dealt with him about this and he shared it with us. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said these familiar words that you've heard. I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I haven't attained what he searched me out and found me and wanted me to, 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 to attain. I haven't attained the level that he wants me to get to, but I'm on my way, Paul said. So I, I press on to do that. This is the whole thing that he was talking about. I've not achieved it yet, but I focus on one thing. I'm reading this from the ESV. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You, you can't look forward to what lies ahead unless you're willing to give up the past. So when you make that decision then, you can do what he said. He said, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He's calling us to a higher level. He's calling us to a better land. He's calling us to a greater victory. He's calling us to an upper stand from where we have been. And He wants better and greater things for us if we'll walk with Him and cooperate with Him to receive it. I haven't received it yet, Paul said, but I'm on my way, and I will not quit until I get there. This is what Paul was saying. I have not yet reached my goal in Christ-likeness, but I will forget the past that holds me back. And I will press on to the end of the race, and at the end of the race I will receive the prize. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3. And, that, and, and why does he write that? Because he wants us to join with him and do that very same thing. 
and press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Try to achieve the perfect will of God in our lives and be where God wants us to be in every way, in all things, and at all times. That's the plan of God for us and the purpose of God that Paul is calling us into to share with him. I love the writings of Paul. So many times I identify with him. Not that I've got to the place of Paul arrived, but, but I can identify with him as he searches for that and as he reaches it. And I know that it's possible for me and for you and for all of us to reach that as well if we'll follow that calling and that standard that he has set for us and rise to that place that God has called us to rise to. Paul also wrote to the Galatians about not failing, not giving up, not quitting. This is the problem with most people who fail. They just give up and quit. It, doesn't, it isn't that everything just overwhelms them and, and it's impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. We sing about it. We say it. We preach it. But do you believe it? That there's nothing impossible with God. God can handle every, every situation that encompasses your life. God can untangle every knot that the devil is tied to hold you down. He can change everything that needs to be changed to give you victory. But he won't do it if you walk around dragging your feet, dragging your leg, dragging your knees, and, 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 and just blowing out your complaints and your, and, and, your, and, and your aggravations and the things that you don't like. Get over that. Pass by that. Get into the place of faith where you know you're striving for a victory. You know you've got a victory that God wants you to have because he planned it for you. God has a plan for your defeat. He's planned for your victory. And he wants you to have it if you'll move forward with him. And you will if you'll move forward with him. Hallelujah. So Paul said that the best thing you can do is keep on going. Don't quit. Don't give up. How many of you have ever at a time in your life said, I'll never make this marriage work. I might as well quit. I'll never get in the right relationship with that person. I might as well quit. I can't turn that church into what I want it to be. That's when you might as well give up on it. We want to be what God wants it to be. You see, that's my point. I don't want it to be what I want it to be. I want it to be what God wants it to be. So, so you come to a place in some things, and maybe many things, that you say, I just feel like it's time for me to give up. It's time for me to quit. I got that car out there, and it's not as good as it was when I bought it, and I still owe money. I might as well stop paying on that. You don't say that, do you? Because you know if you do, you know what will happen. You'll be riding a bicycle if you can get one. So you, you can't quit. There's, there's no place to quit. There's nothing in the plan of God. Nothing in the plan of God from the time you started serving Him to the time you come to the end of the way and the end of the ways with when you are promoted to glory. There's no place in there that there's a little bench that says this is the quitting bench. God says it's all right if you just sit down right here in this little resting place and you quit and wait till Jesus comes and everything will be all right. No, no. He says that you are to press forward. Everything I find in the Scripture says I'm to keep on going. I'm to keep pressing ahead. I'm to keep reaching for the goal. I'm to keep striving for the victory. There's no place for me to quit because there's no resting place. I mean by that no resting place where we just stop and say it's not going forward anymore. It's time for us to decide in our lives what's happened has happened. The only thing I can do about some things is to forgive them 
and then forget them and move on. But it's not time to quit. It's time to move ahead. You seem tired. If you're tired, ask God for new strength. And he'll renew your strength as the eagles. If you're weary, ask God to take away the weariness and give you a fresh touch. If you find your faith wavering, go to God and say, I know that I am to build up in faith. Build my faith, O Lord, and show me how to pray and believe. Go to God with what it is, and God will not fail you. He will not fail you. He'll help you keep moving forward. Paul said to everybody, he said to all of them, I use this scripture a lot. In fact, I preached on this whole scripture at one time. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul said, Let us not become weary in well-doing. This is what I was talking about. Let us not become weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So this, for at the proper time, this is what always bothers me. Probably it bothers you too. It will reap a harvest at the proper time. Wow, what is that time? That's the one thing I question God about. What is that time? When, Lord, when? When is it going to happen? When is it going to come? When am I going to see it? When am I going to know? When am I? When? 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 Lord, when? Lord, I can't. I haven't seen it. I looked back in the past. I didn't see it. I'm looking now. I don't see it. I'm in the future. I don't see it. When is it going to be, Lord? Because I don't know how much longer I can go on. At the proper time, the King James version says, "In due season." The New Living Translation says. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest. And the new, the Passion Translation, which I don't use very much, but I looked at it for this purpose. The Passion Translation says, the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you planted is coming. The season for reaping is coming. It is coming. It may not be before sunlight, sunset today. It may not be before the end of this week. But the harvest for which you have sown the seed of faith and belief and trust and work and service, that harvest is coming. Do not be weary in doing good. Do not be weary in serving the Lord. Do not be weary in that which God has called you to do. For in due season, at the proper time, the time as God has determined, that God has set, in that season of time, you will reap. You will reap if you do not quit. So the way to reap the harvest is, first of all, sow good seed. Live the life for God that he's called you to live. And the second thing is, don't quit. Don't give up until harvest comes. Because if you do not quit, you will reap the harvest God has planned for you. If you do quit, there won't be any harvest to reap. Because the weeds and the, and the negative things will take over and take care of that harvest you were going to reap. But if you don't quit, if you keep on, you'll reap a harvest. So the reapers, my friend, are the ones who keep on going. The reapers are those who don't give up. The reapers are those who find their place and serve God in that place. They do what God has called them to do, whether it's witnessing or giving or missionary efforts or prayer life, whatever it is. What God has called you to do, you keep on doing that faithfully. And as you do, you are preparing for the harvest. And you will not miss the harvest. You will reap in the proper time, the right season, if you don't quit, if you don't give up. So the reapers are those who don't quit. 
The reapers are not the quitters, and the quitters are not the reapers. If you hold on, hold steadfast, no matter what somebody else does, no matter what somebody says about you, no matter what somebody tries to put on you that's an undue burden, no matter what somebody tries to do about your life to plant negativity into it, hold on to the hand of God. Do not quit. Don't slow down, but keep on going. And while you keep on going, God is going to bless you and give you the strength. And in the proper time, in God's time, in God's season, you're going to reap the harvest. And the harvest is going to be greater than the labor has been. Hallelujah. So how many of you are reapers? You're reapers if you don't quit. How many of you are reapers? I'm a reaper. I'm a reaper. I've got the tool in my hand ready for the harvest. Ready for the harvest. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come on, Lord. Call me home or come on, but come back and let's see the results of what I preached all these years. I want to see the results of what I preached all these years because I'm not going to stop preaching it now. I'm not going to give up on anything now. I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to live in forgiveness. I'm going to live in prayer. I'm going to live in relationship with God. I'm going to live in the place that God wants me to live so I can be as much like Him as I possibly can. Because when I do that, I'm keeping on. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. And if I don't quit, one thing I know is I will reap the harvest. And so will you, my friend. So will you. Because you're one of the reapers. I saw when I asked you that, some of you raised your hand. Who's who's a reaper? (laughs) Amen. That means I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to move ahead to the full victory of everything that God has for me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, I got started a little bit late this morning. It's 12 minutes after 3. That's all right, isn't it? I'm through. Stand up with me, please. Stand up with me, please. What was that? You? Oh, <laughs> oh! I see why I confused you. <laughs> see, you can't believe everything somebody says just because you stand up here in the pulpit. <laughs> I said it backwards. I, it's three minutes after 12. The way it's written up there is 12.03. So 12, after, I, read it that, I read it in order. But I'm supposed to read it backwards. It's three minutes after 12. Okay, so what? doesn't matter. 